my computer started that at the same. So, hey, we are now uh, streaming live on YouTube, getting ready to start this webinar today. Um, my name is John Frady. I'm, I'm here with Sean Johnson. Sean, uh, welcome to the webinar today. Man, I'm so excited to be here, John. Uh, I'm really, I'm really glad that you're here today. We're talking about uh, our vocational health, or like based off of our uh, sermon this past week, facing giants in life and work. And Sean, uh, many, many of our people in our congregation are very well acquainted with Sean. Sean was actually on our staff for a while, uh, several years ago, and uh, has remained a friend of our church and ministry uh, since then. Sean. Uh, you and your wife, Tanya, have, have been our friends and have done uh, so much uh, with uh, so many of the people in our, in our church and, and still uh, maintain a friendship and relationship with everybody. And so we appreciate all that you're doing and, 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 and rooting for your kids, too. I, I understand your daughter's in college now at U of L. That's correct. That's correct. She's doing a fantastic job knocking it out of the park. Uh, and, and leading worship there uh, and for different uh, ministries and at your church as well. Is that correct? That's right. She uh, has led worship at the church with the, uh, the youth department and some college. And now she's leading worship, just recently started leading worship at Chi Alpha on the campus. Okay, that's great. And of course, we love your son as well. He's just a ball of energy and is always smiling and uh, love uh, being around Josiah as well. So we're glad you're here today. I know we have some a poll that's popped up with some questions and we can talk about that. There's some fun ones on there uh, as we go through, but I'm going to get ready and turn this uh, webinar over to you. And Sean, I'll, I'll pop out unless you want to say anything else to me and we'll see you uh, at the end for the question and answer time. Yes, yeah, so John, don't tell anybody else, but really, I'm just here because I want to hang out with you. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> oh. we're going to talk about stuff, but really, it's just more time with you. So, um, no, I really have always appreciated your friendship and just enjoyed getting to hang out with you and everything all these years. And so, yeah. Oh, the only other thing, I guess, is if people want to download the notes. Um, yes, they can find those in the chat. And uh, there's some there's handouts on the notes there in the chat. They'll be both in the Zoom and YouTube as well. And you can download those and follow along, or you can just take notes and then download them later. But uh, yes, you can look there and it'll be helpful to you as we go through today's seminar. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, I'll, I'll pop out and we'll give it over to you, Sean. Awesome, thanks, John, so much. Well, hey, everybody, we're just excited uh, that you're here. Um, I know that uh, this is an area that affects so many people. Um, and I just want to, you know, say that I think it's going to be um, encouraging to you. I think it's going to be something that's going to maybe open some eyes as well about how God sees the marketplace. Um, and so we talk about the pastoral calling and the pulpit calling and the fivefold ministry gifts a lot. Um, and so sometimes we don't always talk about the marketplace calling and how God, uh, you know, can use that as well. Um, anyway, so I just want to thank everyone for being here today. Um, for what I believe could be the most important webinar of this whole series. And I know this sounds weird, but it may be. I know this because, because we have actually given this webinar not one, not two, but three distinct titles. If you look there on the notes, we've got through the marketing of this event coming up to it, I saw a couple of different ones. 
facing giants in life and work, improving your vocational health and marketplace transformation, part of the transform series. So anyways, uh, that's just a little joke. It's not going to be the most important one, but um, it will be fun. So um, starting off, I want to jump right into some scripture that many of you guys have already uh, heard probably many times. Um, I'm using the message translation uh, mainly for this series. So I like the way it reads on some of these really well. Um, so there in the notes, Luke 12, 48 says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded and to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. So we know that scripture many times as to whom much has been given, much is required. And God definitely you know, has given all of us so many things and hopefully we'll uh, open uh, our eyes up to a little more that God has actually put in our hands uh, through his giftings and through his abilities in this seminar. Uh, Colossians 3, 23, uh, whatever you do, you guys are familiar with this one, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people, right? So whatever you do, do it for the Lord and not for people. So everything we do, we're doing for God and for um, really his purposes in the earth. So as we get started today, I just want to start off, um, obviously, with the scriptures, but also start off with some value statements that I think we all kind of have to get on the same page uh, about. I have a number of these that we work with through our company that we say this is kind of our values of how we're going to exist as a company, how we're going to walk and how we're going to live, how we're going to operate, how we're going to um, uh, work with our relationships in, in, in business, you know, your vendors, your employees, your uh, uh, your stockholders, you know, your board members, um, all of those kind of things. So here's some value statements that we use. These aren't all the ones we use, but these are some of them. And I just want to get on the same page with these. And so if you will, uh, number one, work matters to God. God designed work before the fall, and he designed it to bring him glory. Uh, we know that from the scriptures in Genesis that God gave, uh, God created Adam and one of the first things that God did for Adam is he gave him a job in which every man needs a job. And every woman said, amen. So um, we always joke in our home that the only thing a woman hates to see more is to see a man doing nothing. So uh, my wife tells me that all the time. So uh, <laughs> thank you, Blake. appreciate that. So um, God designed work before the fall. It's not a bad thing. A lot of people see work as that kind of like drudgery, got to make a paycheck. Remember that old commercial, got to make the donuts. Um, but God loves work. Work matters to God. God worked. God expects us to work. So it's a good thing. And that includes, you know, whether you're going to an office, obviously now we're all, many of us are home. That also includes if you're a stay-at-home parent, that's work. Hey, parenting is tough. And so if you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, that's, that's work. That's the same thing. It's just, it's all part of the same thing. Uh, number two, worship is seven days a week. There in your notes. Worship is seven days a week. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you guys know this scripture well, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. <clears throat> so scripture even shows us that God wants us to worship him seven days a week and all of the things we do in a day are part of that worship, including going to work. And as you know, many of us will spend many, many, many hours at work. Uh, number three, biblical values make the best companies and cities. Biblical values make the best companies and cities. Um, if you think about it, 
how would a servant-based leadership model impact the outcome of an organization or a business or a city, a community, a home? Um, when, you, when you put in the servant-based leadership model, which is what Christ modeled for us through the scriptures, then you create a very different environment and culture in your business, in your home, in your community, in government. Um, it just really, really works. Um, and we see that throughout scripture. We also see that throughout history where people have uh, put these kind of biblical values into play. Uh, America, in, you know, in so many ways, started from biblical values and the desire for freedom. Um, so if you think about it, if you ask this question, what do values like truth, honesty, respect, honor, and even love have to do with business? And the answer is they have everything to do with business. Everything we do, because those things are all parts of what make up relationships. And as we said earlier, we have lots of different relationships in business. And so we want those relationships to be the right kind of relationships and have the right kind of values. So biblical values make a big difference in the marketplace. Uh, number four, excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellence honors God and inspires people. How we do our job matters to God. It matters to those we serve in business, and it has to matter to us as well. It really, really does. And you see that in life. You see that whenever you uh, do a good job. You see that whenever uh, sometimes some people want to make a difference in their company. They want to make a difference with their coworkers or with their boss. But if you're not walking and working in excellence and giving your best, then many times that shuts down the door for the conversation about Christ and your values and who you are and where you come from, because people are looking at your work. And so we believe excellence honors God and inspires people. Number five, for the church to have true favor in the city, we have to be investing in the city. For the church to have true favor in the city, we have to be investing in the city. We have to be rubbing shoulders with those influencers and leaders who are shaping our local, state, national, and even global cultures, cultures and societies. Um, we have to be rubbing shoulders with those people and investing in those places. And so those are some values that I think we all need to kind of start off with, just kind of saying this is kind of like the baseline of what we believe about how uh, the marketplace could work and how God can impact the marketplace. So as you guys have all been through the sermon uh, last weekend and also maybe your small group this week, you've been talking all around these issues and really kind of the key point being that there are giants that we face in life and work. And those giants can be intimidating. They can be uh, daunting sometimes, uh, so much so that sometimes they cause us just to, just to throw our hands up and quit. And uh, how many of you have ever quit a job before? <laughs> just said, yep, I'm done, I'm out of here. Uh, and maybe you had a great reason, maybe it was just frustrating, but uh, uh, today I want to take the points from the message of the different giants that uh, were affecting, you know, David and, and the story of David and Goliath, and I want to tweak them a little bit, still using the same, uh, same uh, giants, but I want to give you some other perspective maybe, maybe come at it from a different way. So uh, one of the giants that we will face at work in all possibility in our, in our lifetime is uh, the giant of delay. And as we know from the, from the uh, story um, that God, that uh, David was delayed from the dream that he had. But in our, in our perspective, we wanna talk about delays, the delay of accepting God's will, the delay of accepting God's will. Now, some people may say, wait a minute, hold on, Sean. 
I am not fighting against God's will. You know, one of the greatest things that I enjoyed at Celebration and in any church we've served at was the prayer time around the altar. And we would come together, and as you guys know, you know, when the sermon would be preached, there'd be altar call, and then ask people to come forward for prayer. I loved that time because it's a great time to connect with people. It's a great time to let the Holy Spirit just speak through you as you're praying for people and letting God lead those prayers. But I got to tell you, um, people usually came forward and wanted prayer for about three different reasons. One, their marriage. Obviously, you want your marriage to be right. People lose sleep over their marriage when it's not going right. Secondly, uh, relationships with other people. We lose more sleep over relationships that they're going bad or that things aren't right. And thirdly, people wanted to pray about their job because there was an issue. Now, I can tell you, I never had anybody come forward and say, Pastor Sean, pray for me. You know, my, my boss has just given me a raise and I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I just don't handle I can hear some of you laughing because that's probably never happened to you. So people didn't come forward asking for that kind of prayer. Usually it was prayers like this. Sean, pray for me. My boss is horrible. <laughs> Sean, pray for me. My employees are terrible. You know, those people at work, I just couldn't wait to get here on the weekend to be with my kind of people. And I get that. I get that kind of feeling. But uh, it may be that God has put you right where he wants you. And so this giant of delay of waiting to accept God's will can really hurt us. Remember, at the same time, God is also developing calling and character in us. When God puts us somewhere that we may not like, we may not know for sure if his will is really, that's really his will. Many times he's developing that calling and character in our lives. Now, we know the scripture says that Jesse had to put David, Jesse put David in charge of the sheep. And... Uh, you know, this is probably a job that most people are avoiding. Most people probably are not thinking, yay, smelly sheep. This is great. Yeah, they probably wasn't happening. Uh, there's really no glamour or fame associated with it. You know, you're not going to get known and, and uh, popular that way. And David could have fought this assignment. He could have he could have said, hey, wait a minute. This isn't right. This isn't fair. I'm the next king. But yet we see David not fighting this assignment. We see David doing this job with all of his heart, with all of his energy, with all of his passion, even to the point where he put his own life on the line for the sheep. If you remember that, you know, he fought the lion and the bear, um, protecting the sheep because he took the job that God gave him seriously. He could have thrown his hands up in the air and said, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. How many times have we been at a job and thought, God, this is not what this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I'm supposed to do. But yet God has us there. And God is working on us and working on our character, and working on our calling. And the longer we delay in accepting God's will, the longer we will not see God's provision and really God coming through to do great and mighty things through us. And even then, we may even be sacrificing the next place where God wants us to go. But yet God was using the time and responsibilities to de develop character in David. God was using all of these things to develop character. How many times have we seen people lose their position or opportunity because they lacked the character that they needed to stay where they were at? You know, there's an old saying that gifts and talents may get you to the top of your dream, but it's character that keeps you there. You know, you don't have to look around very far these days to see, uh, man, we need character. 
any character. I mean, whether it be political realms, athletic realms, pastoral realms, where there's just there was there wasn't the character that was needed. There was a lot of gifting, a lot of talent, a lot of ability, but not really the character to stay where uh, people were supposed to stay in their dreams. When we find ourselves facing the giant of delays, we have to ask this question. God, what are you trying to teach me right now? Maybe you feel like you have a pastoral calling. I mean, a lot of people that are in the workplace, but they feel like they're called to the ministry, called to pastoral calling or worship ministry or all different things, right? And I guess a great question to ask ourselves in that is this, is how well are you pastoring the people that God's put in front of you every day between eight to five, right? How well are you caring for those souls and caring for those coworkers that you rub shoulders with every day? See, because when you are called by God, you live out your faith wherever you are, simply because your calling is not what you do, it's really who you are. One of the coolest things for us was, you know, I'd been on the pulpit side for many, many years, felt like since I was eight, but uh, really uh, I started in ministry at 17. I got saved at 15, started in ministry at 17, traveling the country, preaching around the country, and then so on and so on. Um, and I had not really been in the marketplace, you know, from, from, from many of my years in working and career path on and off from time to time. But whenever we left uh, the, the, the paid position at Celebration, the paid staff position as one of the pastors, um, it was really wild because many people started coming up to us saying, hey, now that you're not so busy, John Frady, Blake Hirsch, um, now that you're not so busy, um, do you, uh, do you, could you mentor me? Could you and Tanya uh, do some marriage counseling for us? Could you, you know, talk to me, disciple me, those kind of things. And the reality was the amount of ministry I was doing did not go down when I left celebration, left the title. All of a sudden, the amount of ministry started going up because who I am is a pastor. What I do is all kinds of things. You could do all kinds of ministry in all kinds of places, but who I am is a pastor. And so that kind of continued. And I would say the same thing for you. If you're feeling that calling in your life, but you're in the marketplace, you're saying, this isn't right, God, this isn't a dream. This isn't fair. I'm supposed to be. You promised me this. You prophesied this over my life. But you got to step back and go, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing right where I'm at? Or am I waiting until I get the title or position? And God doesn't, God doesn't work that way. God says, I've gifted you, I've called you, use the gift. So character is built one choice at a time, one responsibility at a time, and so is credibility. And many times what we're doing in the marketplace is we're, we're gaining credibility in our lives by the way we work and, and what we do. The enemy, remember this, the enemy is always trying to get us to focus on the delay. God, however, is always focused on the development. God doesn't care how long it takes. God wants us to become like him and to be able to do what he's called us to do. He has to get the right amount of character and abilities in us. And he will do that. He will put us in situations that, that will draw out <laughs> those things in us. So not only do we face the giant of delay, but we also face the giant of discouragement. Uh, rising above the who and the what and finding the why is kind of how I've titled it. And so the Bible declares in 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, and we, many of you know the story, it goes like this. And the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days, and he took his stand. And many of us, we know about Goliath, we know all about who he was. Um, 
And so Goliath was coming forward. If you know the story, you know that the, the Philistine army was on one side, on, the, on one side, a heel side on one side. There was a valley between, and then the armies of God of Israel were on the other hillside, right? So every day, Goliath, it says for 40 days and nights, he would come down from the hill into the middle, and he would start taunting the armies of God, cursing God, taunting them, making fun of them, calling them, saying you mama jokes, whatever you want to say. He was doing it to get them to come out, to send somebody out to fight with him so they could, you know, hopefully have a victory and begin to, you know, take over the armies of God. So if you think about this idea of discouragement, really what discourages the most is things that we call problems, problems. And problems always try to hit us at our most vulnerable times. And I think it's very important that the Bible says that morning and evening, Goliath came out to taunt the armies of God. And, you know, if you think about it, it's very true about problems as well. Morning and evening, we get hit with problems. It's some of our most vulnerable times. In the morning, when we're just getting going, I mean, you haven't even had your first cup of coffee yet, and the devil starts sending you emails or text messages. I mean, how could your boss know? I mean, not your boss. Never mind. I didn't mean that. Uh, how could they know you're even on your email yet? But the reality is we get hit with that stuff and it just starts our day off wrong. Have you ever started off the day and you thought it was going to go good and then you get an email or a text and all of a sudden the rest of your day is just kind of wrecked? Or what about right before you go to bed and you're getting ready to go to bed and all of a sudden you get a text or an email or a call and you're like, I shouldn't answer that phone, but you do. And all of a sudden you're like, it's a boss or it's a person from work or a problem from work. And all of a sudden you're like, you can't go to sleep. Problems are always coming at us each and every day, trying to discourage us. This giant of discouragement is always trying to discourage us to keep us from doing God's will. I love the quote that Pastor Dennis always said. Uh, he said, "Him your day in on both ends with prayer, and it will seldom unravel. Just like problems can attack us morning and evening and mess up our day, so can prayer. Prayer can start us off and end us well. In Exodus, um, God fed the children of Israel morning with Bread and evening with meat, God's provision, morning and evening, morning and evening. Now, Goliath was a problem. He was a problem. That's all he was. And we know he was the who and the what of the problem, but we also need to know the why. Why do we need to solve this problem? And the Bible says it very clear, clearly. It says so that the people can see that there is a God in Israel. That's why David, that was David's why. He understood the who and the what, Goliath, how big he was, how many weapons, how strong he was, how many people he probably killed before, all of his stats. But that wasn't as important. The why was important so that the whole world may know that there is a God in Israel. Why do we need to solve problems in the marketplace? So that people can see God's perspective and solutions and because it moves us forward. See, so much about thriving in life is about movement, it's about progression. You know, they did some studies after Hurricane Katrina and those kind of uh, disasters, and they found that people that did the best in life years later were people that didn't sit still, but people who got up and got moving one thing a day, one item a day, one choice a day, one solution a day. They moved their lives forward. Moving on to verse 23 uh, in the scriptures there in 1 Samuel 17, it says, as he was speaking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words and David heard him. And when all the men of Israel saw the man, 
When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were very fearful. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming to defy Israel. I think it's important that we realize that problems may come down for 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening. But if we don't deal with them, they don't just go away. They may come down to frustrate us daily, but one day if we don't deal with them, they will come up to conquer us. Did you hear that? Problems won't just go away. They may come down daily to frustrate us and aggravate us, but one day if we don't deal with them, they will come up the other side. And that's what Goliath was doing. Now, God is looking for a problem solver there in your notes. God is looking for a problem solver. David was into solving problems. David was into solving problems. See, we have to realize that there's a real difference between a problem and a fact of life. There's a real difference between a problem and a fact of life. Facts of life happen. You don't get a choice many times. Rain. It's going to rain. Everybody gets rain. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Gravity is a problem for me. How many said amen? So it's affected my uh, slam dunk. I can't slam dunk anymore. Not that I ever could, but gravity's working against me. So uh, problems, on the other hand, problems you can solve. Thank you, John. Problems you can solve. Now, it may take prayer, time, energy, and resources, but it can be solved. Think about the last year of our lives. What happened? COVID and the entire world shut down. We had our first contract in our company cancel in January, and it was a guy over in Asia who was building a yacht, and he was supposed to be buying the engines from us, and he called in January to say, I can't go through with the order. I can't go through with the order because uh, they can't get anybody to work in the shipyard over here in Asia because of this virus. We hadn't even really thought about the virus or heard about it yet over here in America. And slowly, one by one, jobs canceled. And then, of course, you know, February, March, and then everything started shutting down. How many of you, your business changed? Your business model changed? How many of you went from working in office with other people to all of a sudden you're working uh, at home? You're working in different situations. Some of you changed jobs because you're, you didn't even get a chance to go back. These were problems. And so what we had to do is we had to get creative and start solving these problems. And I believe God's put you there in your business to solve problems. Who better to solve problems than the creator of the universe? Are you kidding? Working through us, giving us wisdom and understanding, sometimes that we don't even have on our own. If you're a business owner, you need to know that there's not one problem that you have that can't be solved. You don't have one problem that's too big, too much of a Goliath that somehow could not be solved by the creativity of God. Again, it may take prayer, time, energy, and resources, but it can be solved. So not only the giants of delay and discouragement, but also another giant we face is the giant of disapproval. Um, and I titled this, God Lifts Up and God Puts Down. Now, we all know about workplace drama, right? Workplace drama, don't talk about nobody's mama. It's tough. We've all encountered it. It happens. You know, sometimes people want your title or your position. Sometimes they think that you're after their title. I could probably do a poll among everybody about that. How many people have had somebody jealous of you or thinking you wanted to like take their position or maybe they wanted yours? 
But God doesn't want us to get involved in that mess. The giant of disapproval, thinking that somehow feeling this weight of we're not approved or we shouldn't be there, we don't deserve to be there. The reality is if God puts you there, you deserve to be there. If God puts you there, then you're supposed to be there. There's an old saying we had years ago, and I guess people still use it. It says, bloom where you are planted. And it just means that wherever God puts you, man, grow, shine, live, create, do something great with your life in that moment. The Bible also says, for many of you who may not have ever read the scripture, the Bible also says that God's gift will make room for you, which means that what God's put in you, if you will bloom where you're planted, then it will make room for you. It may mean that you're working somewhere and the position you want does not even exist yet. But if you'll do your job well, and if you'll live out who God's called you to be and bloom where you're planted, they, they will even possibly create a position for you because they can't afford to lose you because you become so valuable. Grow your influence. John Maxwell, John Freddy's hero, right, John? Leadership, he says this all the time, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Grow your influence while you're there. Forget about the disapproval, kick that giant to the curb, and just grow your influence one by one. Now, not manipulating, but just through honest, good, hard work and weighing in, stepping up, at those moments, you know, things are different because there's a Christian at the table, I promise you, in any company. Remember the value, excellence honors God and inspires people. Do your work with excellence. When you and I do our work with excellence, people notice, but most importantly, God notices, but people will notice. Remember the story of Joseph, all those things that happened with Joseph. And what was it? Joseph never promoted himself. It was always people promoting him to people in power. And God kept taking him from place to place before until one point where he's the second most powerful man in all the land that's impressive right first samuel chapter 2 verses 6 through 10 says this god brings death and god brings life brings down to the grave and raises up god brings poverty and god brings wealth he lowers he also lifts up he puts poor people on their feet again right he rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives, a place in the sun. For the very structures of earth are God's. He has laid out his operations on a firm foundation. He protectively cares for his faithful friends step by step, but leaves the wicked to stumble in the dark. No one makes it. Listen to this. No one makes it in this life by sheer muscle. Just going to let that sink in. God is at work. God's enemies will be blasted out of the sky, crash in a heap and burn. God will set things right all over the earth. He'll give strength to his king. He'll set his anointing on top of the world. Remember who signs your paycheck. God Almighty, God Almighty, God Almighty, God Almighty. When COVID started, we had just started our business. We had worked for my father-in-law for many years. He, uh, he gave us his blessing for us to start our own company in uh, April of this last year. And you remember, everything was shut down. Nobody, I could see from the email system, people weren't even looking at my emails. Not one phone call, not one text message, no business. But here we got a brand new company. So knees knocking, we're praying and God saying, God, you got to work this out. We're, we're just, so we just kept doing what we knew how to do. Started asking God for creativity and solving the problems we needed to solve. Started getting some calls. Got through the summer. We had done some business. Got through, got through, got through. And we ended this year and actually ended the year with money in the bank. And the first couple of months of this, of this year, 
we'll probably do better than we've ever done even working before we had our own company. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I'm not that creative. Uh, not that good of a salesman. But God does it. His faithfulness. Just like Blake said, the faithfulness of God. So no matter what you're facing, COVID was tough. COVID still is tough. But whatever business you're in, God can help you solve those problems. And he will. Just don't forget the element of prayer. Everybody wants to put time, energy, and resources, but people stop praying. You got to put prayer first. So the last giant we have to confront is the giant of doubt. And I put in there, God's will done God's way will not let God supply. That's an old saying. We've heard it for years. So I want to take a second in this one and talk about the giant of doubt. And I think this is the question that a lot of people ask. God, why the marketplace? Why do you have me in this job? Why do you have me in this spot? I don't want to do this kind of work. I've got a dream to do something else. The reality is, is that God needs you in the marketplace. Practically speaking, only so many people will ever work on a church staff. I mean, how many people are at Celebration? Just take Celebration, for example. How many people come to church? I don't know, John, you can weigh in on that. How many people uh, are at Celebration Church? And how many are on the staff? There's only going to be so many people that are going to be on the pulpit side. Some people say, oh, I would just love to work at the church. I'd love to work at the church, be around all those people praying and, and loving on each other all day and hugging. Yeah. I'm sure John Brady and Blake Hirsch could tell you it's not like that all day. There's a whole lot of work that goes on. There's a whole lot of work that goes on. There's, there's even some good meetings where you might even get a little, get a little heated and get a little frustrated with somebody. So that happens. The reality is it's not greener on the other side right? How many hours of our lives will be spent at work? Do we have the results from the poll, John? How many hours of our lives will be spent at work? The answer is 90,000 plus hours of our lives. And we have to make it count for more than a paycheck, more than a paycheck. Very, very cool. 90,000 plus hours. Of the people that work at your company, how many of those are Christians? And I know we invite them to church, but how many of them, how many of you have had a hard time getting them to come to church sometimes? We all have. But maybe the answer is not just getting them to church. Maybe the answer is being the church in front of them, being the church in front of them. We want them to come to church. Absolutely. That's what we want. We want to see them fully devoted, fully oriented followers of Christ. Well, why not do the work there at work? Why not lead them to faith right there at work, around that lunch table, around, you know, go to lunch, go to a coffee shop, whatever. What good is salt unless it rubs up against that which is trying to season? What good is light unless you take it, the cover off of it and let it shine? The truth is, if we've been saved for more than a year and actively engaged in our church, then we're ready. We don't need any more training. Mm -mm. We don't need more training. I think we wait too long. I think we think we're, we got to get all the right answers and all the perfect things, situation. Just we got we to be like that person up there on the stage in order to feel like we're equipped and ready. But the reality is we get so much equipping. We get so much equipping. If you know John 3.16, then you're pretty good. You're ready to go. You don't have to have all the rest of the answers. You'll never get all the answers. 
And by then, if you wait that long, your fire will die out and you'll probably won't even have a passion for the lost. You'll probably just want to be around Christians. And that's terrible. That's terrible, right? We'll miss our, we'll miss our mark. We'll miss our, we'll miss our calling. So I wrote this down. If the church is the conscience of culture, pointing to the values that matter and calling culture to a higher standard, right? Then the marketplace is the creator of culture, providing goods and services that are needed, right? And God has placed his ambassadors, you and me, all over the marketplace in very important parts of the culture. And what are we there to do? We're there to make a difference. We're there to ask questions that others may not want to ask. Why are we doing this? Should we do this? Don't you think it's important that there's a Christian at the table when it comes to some of these medical things we're doing now and technology things we're doing now? Hey, maybe we, maybe, hey, hand up, question, sir, ma'am, should we do this? Is, this? is this good conscience? Shouldn't there be a Christian at that table asking those kind of questions? We're there to stand up for truth and justice. We're there to point out bigotry and sexism, things that are wrong. We're there to stand in the face of racism and elitism, right? Christians should be the first one pointing that out. Hey, that's not right. You can't treat that person like that. We're there to expose criminality sometimes, just truth, just basic truth. We're there to be an example of servant-based leadership. How many of you ever served on a team at work and nobody wanted to help each other? Everybody's like, I just got to get my work done. Leave me alone. Well, it looks a lot different when somebody's walking around getting their work done and walking around saying, hey, how can I serve you? How can I help you? We're there to let the creativity and expression of the God of all mankind radiate in all cultures all over the world. You know, we have a company, we, we sold to 30, over 30 countries last year, which means we're, in, we're rubbing up against those cultures. And the reality of that is that that light transmits right through the phone, through that phone call, transmits right through that text, transmits right through that video call. The power of the gospel is it's unstoppable. And you and I get the opportunity to rub shoulders with people from all over. Who knows? You could be on a project working with someone who winds up, you lead them to Christ and they wind up becoming a missionary to everywhere else they're going to travel. Who knows? Who knows? But God's called us to the marketplace. And I believe when you, when you doubt that calling, we miss out on so much God has for us. I can't imagine spending my whole life going to work in the marketplace, dreading it, just waiting for a paycheck, working for the weekend. Because God has so much more for us and he wants us to use that. And I believe God shows up whenever we're willing to open our eyes and say, okay, God, I'm here, use me. Use me. I want to say something to the business owners who might be listening. If you own your own business, you have the amazing ability to decide how you want to be remembered. You have an amazing ability to write your legacy. I mean, think about it. You get to lay out how you're going to impact the world because it's your company. I think about all the things that we do at church. Think about even at Celebration Church, uh, Financial Peace University, marriage counseling, parenting uh, skills, you know, every, just, just you're going to run down the line. Doesn't all the people that we know and go to work with who don't know Christ, don't they deal with those same things? Of course they do. Of course they do. 
but we usually try to wait to get them to church to get them to go to those classes. If you're a business owner, or maybe even if you're not a business owner and you just ask your boss, hey man, I know finances is tough and a lot of our parents didn't teach us about finances that much. They didn't know much about finances either. What if we did this cool class called Financial Peace University and we talk about you know, how you can get out of debt? Or what if we had this parenting class? Or what if we had this, man, we can get creative. We can figure this out. And people could wind up getting saved in the marketplace, in the businesses, anywhere in town. I mean, talk about awesome. Um, so I'll say this, one of the ways that we, uh, we decided as our family, we've always been givers, we love to give, love to give. I love to bless people. Didn't matter whether we were making $14,000 combined income when we first started in ministry uh, all the way through to today. Celebration was actually the first place we ever made enough money to pay all of our bills, which was pretty awesome. Um, yay, Pastor Dennis. Way to go. Thanks for taking care of our family. Um, but uh, no matter what, we always wanted to give and we always did give. So when we started this company, we also did a thing called Solely Business. And uh, one of the efforts of Sylvie Business, not all we do, one of the efforts that we do with Sylvie Business is every month we identify a cause, an organization who is doing good things in the earth. Now, remember, this is worldwide because we serve people all over. And we give to them from the company um, a check, you know, that month for their support. But we also use our relational influence to point others to them as well, which means that we take all the people we know on Facebook, social media, whatever, and we tell them about this group hoping that other people will join the cause. You know, right now we're giving away, you know, several thousand dollars a year, $12,000 a year, so 12, 15,000. But I believe one day we might be able to give away a million. Who knows? I have no idea what the future holds. All I do know is that we're gonna certainly try. We're not gonna sit and just dream about it. We're going to try. Um, so anyways, that kind of encapsulates everything for today. There's a whole lot more you know, if you, anybody wants to talk, you know, we can talk more about other things. We can reach out and have discussions about other creative ideas because I know there's probably brings up a lot of questions. But anyways, um, that's, that's it. That's it for today. Well, hey, Sean, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for this really good stuff uh, throughout, throughout the whole uh, seminar. I really appreciate those thoughts and, and I appreciate, certainly appreciate the humor and uh, I do, uh, you know, we say we look at the at the poll. I, I will mention that really quick. Uh, actually, I said ninety plus thousand, but I think the answer was on there was actually people said one hundred twenty thousand. That may have been somebody thinking, "Hey, I'm going to have to work a lot longer at the end of my life <laughs> <laughs> to to get where I need to be financially." I'm not sure, and I, I know as people get older, uh, they think, "Oh, hey, I'm going to have to work a little bit longer." Uh, when they said they talked about their calling in life, uh, people said, actually, the, the answer was that they completely agree okay. that they're doing, uh, they're living out their daily calling in life, which I actually, it's very surprising to me. That is. That's um, and I think if we got more answers, you know, more responses, we would probably would have seen that varied in somewhat. And then, of course, the last one, I, I appreciate that question. Come on. Come on. That I just get cooler with age. And uh, we actually just <laughs> Somebody just sorts of agree. They sort, sort of, of agree. agree. 
<laughs> so anyway, that's kind Gotta of put funny. them and celebrate recovery then. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if they're uh, if they're struggling with that <laughs> with with that answer, but hey, uh, I did have there just a couple of questions. Um, uh, one is, uh, you know, I I was during this transformed series that we were in. I led a, a transformed group in my life group, and I've talked to other people who led their life group, and they had similar answers to this. But we had a question that we asked people. Uh, first of all, we asked them what was their first job, and you know, people laughed about some of the different jobs people had, and some of them were great actually first jobs. But then we also asked them what their dream job was, and uh, more than once did I hear the answer that people said their dream job was no job. And, uh, and I would like to think that what they meant was, you know, they wanted to be, you know, entrepreneurial and everything like that. I don't think that's what they meant. I think what they meant was, I just want to be able to live and not have to worry about making any contribution with this, just being able to have, you know, not have to worry about work at all or, or doing anything like that. So I was, I'm curious, how would you encourage somebody that way if they were, if they were feeling that depressed uh, about work, how, how would you encourage them? Sure, sure. So I guess for context, depending on how old they are, right? So you uh -huh. know, if you're 80 and you're saying you don't want a job at that point, then okay, don't have a job. Yeah, yeah, go, that makes sense. Yeah. Go, go, yeah. go enjoy your retirement. Um, if you're 20 <laughs> and you don't want a job, you know, I, I think um, I just would really ask you to ask the question, if you don't want a job, then you have to ask the next question is, do I wanna make a difference? Mm. Do I wanna have a life that leaves a mark on this world? And if I do, then how am I gonna do that? You know what I mean? Uh, what am I gonna to do to make that happen? And now if you're, if you're independently wealthy, then you've got a lot of choices you can make, but those choices start with, God, what do you want me to do with what you've given me? And I think that that starts with all of us, whether we have wealth or not, whatever we're doing. But I would encourage the person just to really, um, really look at it and say, man, if I want my life to count, then I'm probably going to have to be engaged in this society somewhere. Because uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that happened to us, our family, when I started doing, when I stepped off the church staff from a paid perspective and went into the marketplace, we started uh, making, you know, a good sum of money, more money than I'd ever made uh, pretty, you know, pretty quickly within the first year or two. And, um, and we, uh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Like we started, you know, we we're traveling more. John, you and I've had lots of conversations about traveling and vacationing and stuff. And we just started enjoying those moments. And some of that was because of uh, the time involved in ministry. You're, you're gone so much with ministry and your, your family sometimes doesn't see you as much. But um, so we kind of reconnected through all that. But after a couple of years of doing that, Ty and I were just talking, saying, you know, we could just keep going on vacations or we can start doing something with what we've been given. Another vacation doesn't make our life better, you know? Mm. And so I'd say the same thing to that person is just being uninvolved and not having to deal with stuff going to make your life that better because it still may mean that your life is not fulfilled, you know? And we got to have, we got to be fulfilled. We're made to have fulfillment, live in purpose. You may not be living your dream right now, but you can live in your purpose every day. That's right. That's right. And I know from uh, one of the classes we offer here, when you talk about when you're living in that, in that purpose and when you're uh, contributing in that, you find uh, both fruitfulness, which means, you know, you're really good at that and fulfillment, which means, you know, you're really pleased yeah. about that. 
you can be dead tired at the end of the day, but just be the best tired, yeah. you know, because of, of, of the difference in everything that you've made. So that's, that's good. Now, uh, you, you talked about solely business uh, here in the, in the seminar, especially there at the end of the seminar. Can, can you tell, it, tell us what, what happens with solely business? What, what is that? So yeah, so um, we started looking at, this happened several years ago, back even when I was on the staff at Celebration, as we were kind of wrapping up our, our kind of paid years and into the you know, volunteer years, that uh, we just really wanted to see what God would do in the marketplace. You know, uh, even though I've been a pastor all these years, I also had a real passion for the marketplace. I always loved sitting down with business people and talking about what they did and how they influence culture through what they do. Um, I even remember, and I also felt like that the church could always have a greater partnership with people in the marketplace, which was most of the people in their congregation. Um, I remember sitting down with my father-in-law and asking him, you know, about um, if he thought he could make a greater impact in the church. Uh, and he said, absolutely, because he's been, he's had so much training in practical matters and solving problems and stuff. And I, uh, so we came up with this idea of solely business to say, you know, let's do business from, not from a place of trying to make another dollar, but from our soul, doing things with the values and with the dreams that God has. So our goal was really simple, is to uh, impact the culture through uh, telling people about the values that God cares about most, uh, sitting down with business people who love Christ and helping them to maybe reorient their business towards walking out the values that they say are most important to them. Because sometimes, sometimes people separate work and, and spirit. They look at their life and they go, well, when I go to work, I'm this person. You know, I need courage and I need, I need brains and I need to be tough. But then I go to church, I'm over here and I, I need to be now sensitive and I'm caring and I'm empathetic. The reality is this Im impacts this and they go together. Um, and so sometimes people have to be shown and talk through, man, how could I impact my people and my, because you got to figure every business has five, you know, customers, right? So your stockholders, your employees, your customers, your vendors, um, and your board members, right? Again, you, you manage all those relationships all the time. So the idea is, is that we help people figure out how to make those uh, relationships count. And we also, and then we have this other side of what we do with Sully Business, which is um, just using our relational influence and connecting with nonprofits around the world. Um, an example would be, we do a lot of work in Honduras and there's an orphanage down there that uh, we're getting behind this year. And so what we'll do is we'll send them, you know, some money to say we're behind you as a company, but then we'll also uh, ask all the people we do business with in Honduras, say, hey, this is, your, this is your people, this is your backyard, get behind yeah. them. And then we'll yeah. also send all of our other people to them as well, uh, hoping they'll get behind them as well. Wow, that's great. That's, so how can, uh, how can someone learn more about a solely business? Like how could, is there a website or something that, or, uh, or uh, an email or something they can, they can do to, to find out? Yeah, so we're, um, we're just in the, in the uh, just starting to develop the website. So we've secured the name and stuff like that. But on Facebook, it's probably the easiest way right now. Okay. So the, the Facebook is Solely Business Network and it's okay. S-O-U-L-Y solely business oh, okay. network and um if you look that up you can you know follow it or like it or you know and just kind of watch as we're 
putting things on there and also ask questions. We really want to use that platform to kind of spotlight how God's using people around the world to use their faith to impact the marketplace. So if you've got a great story about how God's using you or somebody else you know uh, in, in making a difference, we want to hear about it. You know, one of the people that we thought was really cool, Hawaiian water parks, for those of you guys who might know who Hawaiian, Hawaiian water parks are over in Texas and different places, you know, they take their faith beyond just talking about it and they actually hire a chaplain. They're kind of putting their money where their mouth is. They hire chaplains to be at their parks every day that are there to uh, pray for people if they get hurt along with the medical staff, as well as to be available to their employees for counseling and prayer. And to me, that's, that's a great example of how a business can say, you know what, we care about our people and we're gonna prove it by putting time, energy and money into uh, being there for them. You know, Hobby Lobby does all that kind of stuff and you know, a lot of different companies, but, but I believe that can happen in every you know, auto shop and every you know, uh, real estate place, you know, it, it can happen anywhere. Wow, that's be and and what would that? How would that be like to be a chaplain at a, at a water park? Man, that would uh, you could really you could work on your tan at the same time as your, uh, you know. Oh, let me pray. Let me pray for you. That's great. That's great. That's great. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you would, would you pray for our people, the people who are watching this now, people who will be watching this later. And, uh, and that God would work through their, their vocational life and that he would bless them through all that. Absolutely, absolutely. Father, we, um, God, we're just so grateful. God, because in so many ways, you didn't leave any of us out. You called all of us to do the, really the purposes of God and to live out our faith before a watching world. God, you, um, you put in us dreams, dreams that uh, are way bigger than us to accomplish. We couldn't do it on our own if we tried. But God, somehow you uh, put the courage in us and you give us strength and, and really trust to trust you to believe that whatever you've called us to, you will do. You don't give us a dream, God, for any other reason than to fulfill it. And God, so we just pray that, Lord, whatever dreams are out there and the people that are hearing this or may hear this in the future, God, that you would uh, just strengthen them, embolden them, God, to trust you to do great and mighty things through them. God, that, that I pray that everyone who's hearing this and anyone they may share it with, God, that it will open their eyes to the calling of the marketplace. And God, that uh, if they're not called to the pulpit, then, then there's a high chance they're called to the marketplace. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just inspire dreams, inspire uh, uh, opportunities. God, open doors that no man can shut. And God, I pray, Lord, that people would, um, each one of us, God, we'd look at this and say, God, I want to be used wherever you put me. And God, uh, I'll be willing to trust you to give me everything I need to make a difference. So Lord, we, we look to you, we trust in you, we pray for great favor in the city, God, because if we, uh, if we bring your heart to the city, God, it'll change the world. And so Lord, we trust in you and love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And uh, bless John and Blake and all the team at Celebration. They work so hard, God, to see people come to faith. And Lord, uh, I know you're blessing their efforts as well. Father, uh, it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, thank you, Sean, again. Uh, this, this webinar will be available on demand on our uh, Celebration YouTube page. And it will also be on our, our Celebration Church uh, podcast as well, which people can find, you know, through, through their uh, Amazon podcast or through uh, Spotify as well. So, hey, so... 
look at that. You can you can look, listen to that again if you're if you're listening here. So anyway, Sean, thank you again so much. Uh, pray God blesses you and and your and Tanya and and Macy and Josiah and you just your whole family. Uh, thank you again. God bless you. You all have a great day. Uh, bye bye.